You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. got my co-host Eurosimos in the house as always. Today, we have the return of Gavin Nascimento. This is his third episode with us. This guy's an original OG truth warrior. Um, he's been in this game for a long time. And today we're talking about human identity and what it means to build a strong sense of self so we can be resilient during these times. Right before I bring Gavin on, we have a big announcement. Here it is. Rise Above the Herd, round six. Doors are now officially open. This is our eight-week group coaching program, particularly for truth seekers. This is for individuals looking to build self-reliance, to, to develop a greater feelings of freedom, purpose, and potential in their life and really become who they were born to be. Um, from the last round, we now introduced a whole nervous system piece into the into the course as well. We introduced Dr. Sophie Fletcher, PhD, as a third coach, as well as us two, um, helping our students really build greater nervous system health and regulation as well, which was very, very successful in the last round. And we're really excited to bring her back and offer this again. Um, you know, it's really been our intention to make this as holistic as possible as we move from round to round. All previous rounds have sold out. Um, we think this one will too. So if this resonates and this is something you're into, you can head to riseaboveTheHerd.co um, to learn more. And, you know, we can help you step into your power in a really profound way. Without any further ado, thanks so much for your, for your support. Thanks for listening. Here's Gavin. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. We have the return of Gavin Nascimento. He's an OG guest. It's his third appearance. His first episode was episode 17, where we dived into the psychology of propaganda. An amazing episode. He came back for episode 76, where we discussed eugenics. Very, again, a deep episode, very popular. And he's back today. For those that don't know, Gavin is a life coach, activist, writer, public speaker, and social media personality. Um, and through his personal journey in life, along with an insatiable appetite for learning, he's developed a unique outlook and understanding of the system that we call society, how it functions, and why. I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation. Always good to have you here, Gavin. Always a pleasure, brother. So, man, what are you what are you feeling we should be diving into today for round three? For myself, definitely human identity. It's a, it's a topic that I've been interested in for a very long time. Yeah. Because at the heart of everything is a sense of human identity. If you've got a strong sense of human identity, your self-confidence is immovable. And the likelihood that you are going to be amenable or vulnerable to propaganda is virtually non-existent because you have such a strong sense of self. Yeah. But then on the opposite end of that, if you do not have a strong sense of self, if you are attached your identity to all of these external constructs which have been created over thousands and thousands of years, then you are very easy to manipulate. So by delving into this, my hope is that we can at least elucidate even if just partially, because I mean, it's, it's a limited interview, hmm. but we can elucidate for people to understand like the significance of this and why they really need to start questioning on a much deeper level. You know, who am I? What is a human being? What is my identity? What do you think, uh, what do you think leads to uh, a person having a, you know, a weak sense of identity? 
I think largely based on, on history. So just like objectively assessing history. Oftentimes, like many other things, it comes from the top down. Because it is conducive to ruling over people who would otherwise be fiercely sovereign and free. So autonomous beings, human beings, like every other species just about on this planet, we have a, a commitment. Naturally, it's innate, it's inborn, where we actually want to be free by nature. You see this very much so in little babies. Unfortunately, as people get older, they become like birds in the cage. They think they're there for their safety and their well-being and they're good and so on. So naturally, you have to produce and proliferate a cultural narrative where whatever identity you are popularizing, it leaves room to have strings to pull people with. Because you can't give people such a strong sense of identity from a ruler's perspective that they don't need you. Because if somebody has a truly strong sense of identity, they realize they don't need anything beyond themselves. This isn't to say that now you become, you know, isolationist or alienated from society because part of human identity as well is that we want to work together. Mm. We're very social beings, but that comes in naturally. I'm talking more, of course, about the insidious nature of trying to manipulate and control people. So really, this goes back for thousands of years, man. And it's one of the primary reasons why historically the ruling class and elitist elements, so whatever the elitist establishment may be, they seek to control our very understanding and awareness of our cultures, of our religions, of our ideologies. Because if they can control that, human beings attach their identities more often than not to these constructs. And although historically they have started off in a fairly organic, empowering way for the common people, as soon as the ruling class see that, wow, this is something that it's gaining traction, I need to find a way to kind of manipulate this, do a little judo move, jujitsu move, weaponize it and get it to serve me. An excellent example that we can even delve into is Christianity. Mm -hmm. So with Christianity, right? And this is such an interesting history, so let me get comfortable for this. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> so with Christianity, right, the popular narrative, like the, the mythos behind it, is that it was like this small group of like ragtag Christians, you know, they were diehard followers of Jesus. And then they conquered through the cultural narrative and the power of truth, they conquered the Roman Empire because Constantine the Great, this was an emperor from the fourth century. He had a, a, a war and a fight at, I think it was the Milvian Bridge, if I remember the name correctly. And he claimed that he saw a cross in like, the sky and it said, in, by the sign you shall conquer. So that's like the popular mythos behind how Christianity became this really popular religion that just swept the whole entire planet. And the reality is, so you, you know, if you really start to dig into it, what you realize is at that time, Rome was very fragmented. So it was a very divided establishment. It was a divided empire. And no leader could hold on to their position for very long. They were constantly getting ousted. They were getting overthrown. So there was a lot of instability. Christianity was a very subversive 
ideology in the beginning. It wasn't really a religion. So I'm sure you guys have heard of the Gnostic traditions. Mm -hmm. That's not one particular people. It was a diverse group of different beliefs. They had similar correspondences here and there, but it wasn't one set of beliefs. It was just kind of a term that has since been used to describe early Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Now, initially, these dudes were, they had some very radical views. Definitely don't agree with all of them. But again, if you try to perceive things from the viewpoint of the ruler, amongst their belief systems were that all earthly authority is corrupt and that it was imparted by like a figure analogous to the devil. They called it the demiurge. And nobody had a right to rule over them. So they were fiercely autonomous, fiercely free, didn't believe in any earthly authority. These were like the pre-Christian views. Uh, the early Christian views, excuse me. So what made them particularly dangerous to the Roman establishment is they refused to bow down to the emperor. And the emperor was analogous to a divine being. So what they had back in the day was uh, a pagan form of governance. Like it, it was very religiously tolerant in ancient Rome. Very tolerant. But you had to still engage in some kind of worship of the emperor because he was considered a divine being that descended from the gods. Now, the early Christians, these dudes were like super hardcore, so they refused to bow down. So the ancient Roman uh, emperors, they saw that this is a problem because sure, even if it's a tiny minority, if you have a small minority that refuse to bow down to you, that compromises your entire imaginary like position, your, your whole empire rests on this foundation, this insipid foundation that you are a divine being. So if they're not playing along, that compromises your entire power structure throughout the whole empire. So then as a result of this, not because like they had the, you know, the one great truth, but as a result of this subversion, that's why they started to get targeted. So eventually, when, like, if you look at Diocletian, he was the predecessor to Constantine the Great. Diocletian, he embarked on like a heavy campaign of persecution against the small dem demographic of these early Christians, but it wasn't working. That's the thing. No matter what, if you look at history, the most pertinent weapon, it doesn't matter the ideology, it doesn't matter the religion, it doesn't matter the political affiliation, it's the refusal to comply. That is the greatest threat to the system, to any ruling class. So Constantine was the successor to Diocletian. And during Diocletian's reign, they persecuted these, these early Christians so bad that they started, they called them traitors because they would trade the secret text because it's a very secret, like, culture, religion, cult, whatever perspective you want to take it from. Mm -hmm. And they started to trade this information with the Roman Empire. If you can fill in the gaps, it's very clear. So basically, this is analogous to snitches. They were getting people that were snitches who were coming from the sect, and then they started to learn about, okay, this is their ethos, this is their ideology, this is what they believe in. When Constantine the Great came into power, he started to engage in acculturation, in assimilation, and this is something ancient Rome is very famous for. So they would actually conquer people. They did it with the so-called barbarians as well, where they wouldn't go outright and conquer them physically. They would do it through their minds. So they would acculturate them, 
you would get them to be absorbed into your culture so they could keep some of their practices, but you incorporate it so that it still is going to be favorable and conducive to your system of control, to your system of governance. And that's one of the reasons why you like you are today, for example, with Christians saying, oh, you know, there's this pagan traditions because it was acculturated into ancient Rome. Now, uh, apologists, you know, for this, they say, oh, no, it was genuine Constantine the Great, who, by the way, this dude killed his own son. He killed his wife. Like, I mean, honestly, if you, if you were somebody who, you know, you consider yourself a Christian, I'm not a religious person, but in terms of the tenets of what Christianity is supposed to personify, clearly this dude is killing his wife and his son and acting like a lunatic. It's completely insane. The reason why you know this is false, because they claim, oh, it just like organically came to him and he had this vision just out of nowhere. The fact of the matter is a hundred years prior to that, there was an emperor named Trajan and Trajan's advisor, Pliny, he warned him, he said, man, this is this Christian demographic and they are everywhere. They within the military, they, they've got people everywhere. We need to do something about this. Now, they, they didn't view it as a problem based on religious grounds, but again, because they wouldn't bow to like the emperor, so it kind of compromised the whole system of power. The significance of this letter, though, is that it completely destroys the claim that, oh, you know, it was this organic thing that just came out of the sky and he had this vision. And uh, the reality is 100 years prior. Like, think about the fact 100 years ago. That's a long time ago. So they're already talking about Christianity 100 years prior to it being adopted by the empire. What Constantine the Great did, what made him very clever, was he was the first step to mandating it as the official Roman religion. So he started to uh, convene these, the Council of Nicaea. At the Council of Nicaea, that's where they came up with an official Christianity, an official version of it. So this is where the actual Bible that we recognize, it gets traced back to these meetings. And these meetings, like today we know, for example, if we are going to ascertain the truth, what do we do? We go ahead and we engage in, in discussion, right? And then the best version of that information, that comes out on top. It's about what's verifiable. And that's, you have to engage in like, civil discussion. It's not through authoritarianism. It's not through censorship. But the way that the Bible was canonized and put together is precisely that way. So certain texts were taken out, certain texts were put in, and the whole, for example, ideology that was preceding it, where you had this cultural narrative that you never bow down to earthly authorities, we are fiercely autonomous, we are all free beings, that was taken out of the window more in favor of now like the divine right of kings, which is the espousal that all earthly authority was put there by God. And so this is one of the versions where, okay, you have a particular cultural narrative that preceded what the ruling class was doing. And they saw it and very clearly they said, okay, how can we assimilate this? And how can we kind of turn this around so that it favors us? It ensures that we can pacify this demographic and maintain our rule. Right. So that's just a just a simple version of how that's done. And then in the more modern context today, like with the gender fluidity stuff, that's that on steroids, you know. And then just one other really interesting example. I even wrote the guy's name down because it's such a fascinating case. Is in the early American period, so when they were still in process of subjugating like the Native Americans, they would set up these Native American boarding schools. 
because they realized they couldn't outright subjugate the population just through physical force. So they began to set up these schools and through acculturation, they would force them to cut their hair. They would force them to dress differently. They would give them different names. There's a famous instance of this. The guy's name is Tom Tarling. That's T-O-M-T-A-R-L-I-N-G. Tom Tarling. If you go and you just quickly look it up, plug it into a search engine, the dramatic difference in the before and after image of this guy is shocking. But that's a perfect example of just kind of how cultural assimilation works. And in the modern context, the way this is working, uh, as somebody who comes from South Africa, and I periodically would come back and forth, you know, South Africa, I'd, I moved to America, then I would go from the US to South Africa, back and forth. And I would gradually see how the culture was being assimilated, being acculturated. This is done in the modern sense through consumerism, through celebrity culture, through TikTok and all of these different tactics that they can use very skillfully to get a backdoor into somebody's mind. And once you can co-opt their mind through these different channels, then you can begin to control their sense of self and with it, their sense of identity. Mm, fascinating. Like the modern day version of, I guess, those who refuse to bow down to authority and comply in the most recent context, I guess, really is the unvaccinated, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm trying to think because I know my, my initial feeling is I can't see how these people are going to, you know, ever turn a blind eye or ever be able to let their psyches now be hijacked into thinking, oh, hang on a second, you know, vaccines are good. So I'm curious. But then Ukraine came along and uh, some of those <laughs> folks, they quickly jumped on that bandwagon. Well, it, it's true. But even even people who were, you know, questioning vaccines before 2020, there were, there were uh, some that flipped back yeah, because yeah. of 2020. I mean, I've heard many stories of that. So, you yeah, know, it worked yeah. to some degree, obviously to other oh, degrees. Def not, yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But there's, there's, there's like, there's a core of staunch who will never, ever compromise. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But it just highlights again yeah. how these architects of control utilize fear. And so even if you had a certain ideology beforehand that seemed to be aligned more with truth, if you yeah. can tap into a deep, deep level of fear, yeah. you know, fear of losing your life, fear of, fear of killing your loved ones, fear of being socially ostracized. I mean, we've experienced that in the last few years more than in anything previously that I've experienced in terms of that much pressure. And you see people flip and turn. So it's yeah. really interesting to think about how, um, why is it that certain people go along with narratives and why don't they? Why did certain people get uh, caught up in the 2020 narrative and other people don't. And I'm so curious and fascinated by that, you know, because you see so many different demographics, people who are super, 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 super educated, who fell, who, who fell for the scamdemic, in my opinion, people who oh, yeah. weren't educated that didn't fall for it, but then also people who were super educated. So fascinated. What is it in a person's sense of self? Is it their level of nervous system regulation? Is it intuition? Is it some elevated soul understanding and, and just being able to like feel into something that just is wrong and not going along. I'm, I'm just fascinated what makes a person to make certain decisions, you know, so I'm curious your thoughts on that. So something that we've spoken about before, and I know you guys are like quite in tune with it, is the notion of collectivism, which mm -hmm. I try to refine it just down to the term of tribalism, because it's so antiquated, you know what I mean? It's very primordial. And at the heart of every single uh, major narrative where they have got like this 
huge event, let's say it's a, a 9-11 or it's the so-called pandemic or it's a World War II or World War One, the spear in that always is tribalism, where they find a way to co-opt and hijack an entire demographic and they use it through methodology that is fairly the same. It's fairly similar. And what I found specifically since we're talking about like, you know, the so-called pandemic, the lockdowns and stuff, is they overwhelmingly find a way to get people that have the collectivist mentality, the unconscious collectivist mentality that they are following the uh, the views of science. You know, that's the new one. That's the new tribe right there. Science, this is scientific. And the people that are opposed to this, well, it's overwhelmingly the religious demographic, you know? And there were so many versions of this where people, even um, Microsoft, I think they had a patent. It was like, Six, six, six. Yeah. And this was, do you remember that? It yeah, was I remember closely, that. It was closely associated with uh, a digital identity. It was kind of yeah. similar to the China's social credit system. Why would you pick 666 out of every single number? And who's going to get the most angry about that? Well, yeah. it's going to obviously be the religious demographic. You may also recall, I, I can't remember which branch of the military, it may have been DARPA, but where they were talking about putting in some kind of a microchip thing that it can detect if you have COVID-19. Who's going to be the most outspoken and angry about that? The religious demographic. Then in addition to this, and I spoke about this a long time ago, as well in the 2020 presentation I gave, I constantly highlighted the fact that they are censoring and repressing actual voices, prolific scientists. So people that they are talking about objective science. Okay, these lockdowns are dangerous because such and such and such. What they would do is they would minimize those voices. They would try to totally get rid of them if they could. And then what would they do? They would amplify Donald Trump's voice. They would amplify some kind of right-wing ideology. And so they constantly framed it in this black and white scenario where if you are for the lockdowns, you are for science. If you're against the lockdowns, you are like a religious nut. You are a right-wing conservative Donald Trump supporter. And so this creates polarization. It creates a tribal mentality. So now people are in a position where they can be a lot more dismissive. Oh, they're part of that tribe. Let's, let's just completely yeah. go ahead and dismiss what they're saying. It doesn't matter that, it's, that there's tens of thousands of scientists and doctors that are being suppressed and silenced and censored. Because now what's going on is they're amplifying QAnon, they're amplifying Donald Trump, and naturally people have a particular impulsive, unconscious, like immune response to that, where immediately it enters into their system. They don't think about it. They just want to attack it and get rid of it because this is, this is everything wrong with the world. So yeah. there's always some kind, of, some kind of underlying tribalism, whereas if you get somebody, let's say they have a strong sense of identity again. And it's not attached to being a, a conservative or a religious person or a, a, to, to science, but you can actually critically think for yourself. And rather than allowing your perceptions, how you see the world, rather than allowing that to be the roots from which you conduct your life, your principles are your roots. And then you assess things based on that. It, it doesn't matter, okay, does this kind of seem like it's religious or does it kind of seem like it's science? No, you ask yourself, is this right or is this wrong? Is this ethically okay or is this ethically wrong? Is this honoring the tenets 
of humanity and freedom? And is it being fair in its portrayal of information and so on and so forth? Or is it not? So what I'm always seeing is that there's this tribal narrative and people that are susceptible to tribalism, which is the antithesis of having a strong identity, then you succumb, unfortunately, to these kinds of narratives. How is an individual raised to be an individual, to like be, to walk against the crowd, to be anti-tribalist? Like why, why are there some of us who feel more comfortable being aligned with our own inner workings, inner mechanisms, inner values, inner principles? And why are there yeah. others who seem to always need to be magnetized to some kind of external collective, no matter what facet or degree yeah. it takes place? So, yeah, so it's a very good question. And it's a tricky one because you see part of our inborn human uh, values and part of our blueprint is we do want to be a part of a culture. Yeah. We want to be a part of like a tribe. We want to have a sense of belonging. And that's, that's a vulnerability there. But in terms of your specific question, I honestly believe that it's multifaceted. It's not one size fits all because you can always have a good parental figure that can guide you, that can say, look, you need to question authority. Uh, recently, I heard a, a very concise example, and I don't know if it's real or not, but it, the point is accurate nonetheless where there's allegedly a teacher and this teacher takes out a goldfish and puts the fish on the table, walks out, and then the fish is flapping around. And the teacher tells the kids, don't touch this fish. And all the kids, they're just watching this fish and the fish is dying. And then eventually one of the kids gets up, takes the fish out of compassion, out of their inborn humanity, puts the fish back in the bowl. And then the teacher comes in and says, you see, this is a very powerful lesson. You must not blindly obey authority. Sometimes you have to think beyond authority and you have to do what you know to be right. So you can have somebody that guides you in a positive way. And I'm sure that has a very meaningful impact. Yeah. But at least for myself and other people that I have also researched and studied, what's actually been beneficial, <laughs> at least in the long term, is being surrounded with authorities that you act, you catch them lying. You mm. catch them being deceptive. and. Yep. The, the earlier on that you are exposed to this, the more resilient you are, if you want to say from an immunological standpoint, to see it in the future. Because now you have, like all other skills, you've been capable of developing it from an early age that, you know what, I need to question authority. Even my parents, even whatever narrative it is, I need to question. And so long as you can do that, you are put in a position where in the future, whatever the authority is, you say, you know, I've seen this story before. This is this is deja poo. It's it smells like the same shit, right? It smells like the same shit. So I need to be vigilant about what's taking place here. And then this will put you in a position where you've at least got your guard up. Yeah. So I'll, I'll um, start I'll start lying to my kids, hope, hoping they catch me out. That's that's funny. <laughs> you know, another thing that did also help me that I can recall now. Um, yeah. just, just came to my mind. My mom, she, I would ask her questions, you know, kids, that's how they, we ask questions about yeah. everything. And, she, and we had, uh, we had books, we had like encyclopedias and stuff. And she would say, no, go look it up, go look it up, go look yeah. it up. Yep. And I think that was also beneficial because it teaches you the invaluable skill that you need to go look for yourself. You can't just yeah. blindly get answers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, again, this goes with the whole like nature nurture concept, too, because obviously there's ways you're raised, but there are things that are just inbuilt. They're intuitive. I think there's some people that just have this part of them, um, even just from a human design <clears throat> standpoint. I know we, we've talked about that before. I don't know how familiar you are with human design, but there are individuals that have more tribal circuitry or more individual circuitry in their charts as well. So I think some people are, I guess, would be more prone to being... Uh, impacted by certain types of conditioning versus others might not be. Because I'm trying to think like me growing up, like I grew up first generation, um, you know, Greek American, like my parents came to the US with nothing, you know, built up something, but like they weren't, they never once told me to question authority. They never once raised me in that way. Like, so I don't know what it is in me that where I was always curious or what life it events happened. It could be genetic happened. memory. Yeah, it could be. You know, what you're so, saying so, is very true, man. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating to think about. That's why like it's so it's it's tricky to pinpoint because you get one example of someone you would think wouldn't maybe go along to get along and then someone else that you wouldn't think would like would go against like authority and they do. So it's it's just fascinating to think about it from all the different levels. Um but yes, of course, being raised a certain way is going to impact a, a, an individual heavily. Yeah, and what you're saying is so true, man. Especially the lockdowns for me was the most pronounced event that I am that I've ever encountered, man. Living through that was fucking bananas. You know, it's crazy. But in terms of people that you would never think would fall for that shit, like you guys are familiar, obviously, with Jesse Ventura, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know he, he, you know he was all about that shit, about like oh, he, oh you need to take oh, he was. Oh yes! Oh wow! Oh, I didn't. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that. I wasn't following him during that time. That, yeah, that that shit. Well, I became aware of it. I think I was. Uh, I may have actually just started to go to different accounts to kind of gauge like what's going on with people's views and stuff. I knew where the fuck I stood. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I wanted to see, and sure as hell, I came across him, and he was like, "Oh, gung ho! This is the pandemic, and we need to wear masks, and we've got to vaccinate." And I was like, "Brother, you literally had a show." <laughs> about illuminating like dangerous things that are considered conspiracy theories and you don't see this? And that's just yet another example of how like people you, as you were saying, you would never think or imagine could succumb to something like that, which to me was so fucking obvious. But some people, they just, they yeah. don't see it, man. And it's, yeah, and uh, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had I've had with people because, you know, my wife and I were having gatherings at our home and we meet all these different people that were trying to find community during the early times as well. And like there are people who just they don't know why they decided to they just felt like, no, I don't want that. You know, they, they haven't gone down all the rabbit holes intuition of research yeah. like so it's, it's really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. I think there is even if we can, you know, I know it's very difficult to always make that leap absent of like empirical evidence but i even imagine that there is some kind of spiritual underlying intuition in that yeah. way and i think this is one of the leading causes also around the world why people have such terrible anxiety and depression and so on and so forth is because they don't logically understand that something terrible is wrong but on a deeper spiritual instinctual level however you want to define that it's not necessarily important how you semantically define it but there is this intuition where, and of course there's studies that also show that like instinct and intuition, it's a very powerful thing where you may not like pragmatically, logically realize what's going on, but on a deeper level, you do feel that mm, fuckery is about you. Something is not right. Yeah. 
And also too, and I'm realizing this even more, I mean, obviously we've talked about this before, but I'm curious the level of mainstream media and and network television and TV that people watch the preceding 10 years and movies, because I just started watching a little bit of this show called Blacklist, uh, which mm. was a show that started in 2013. And I, I was blown away how many episodes go into things that relate to the events of 2020, 10 years prior, uh, and and even some of the other stuff that 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 has that has been uncovered, you know, around like, you know, uh, spying on individuals and all these other things that were being presented in the show a decade prior. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard the term predictive programming. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they they very clever the ruling class. They weave their narratives into any place of influence. So anywhere that they can get a foothold into perception, they will weave it into the narrative somehow. So if it's celebrity culture, music, if it's films, movies, people underestimate like movies and video games are probably the paramount ways in which they, in fact, uh, indoctrinate people. It's not uh, sure the news is absolutely up there. Excuse me, but it's so overt and so obvious to everyone that they don't recognize that these cultural narratives get supplanted in films. You know, if take a look at like let's say Top Gun, everybody loves Top Gun. Top Gun historically has been just like a recruiting tool. Mm. You know, initially with the early Top Gun movies, they literally placed the recruiting booths for the military at the movie theaters, and it spiked. You know, recruiting spiked. So it's it's so deeply deeply inculcated into different forms that we don't even recognize as being forms of cultural narratives, things that we we actually extract our sense of identity from, such as movies, such as um, storybooks, and so on and so forth. I mean, this is really old. This goes back so many thousands of years. And what would be good to do, like you were talking about actual human identity? What I'd like to do with you guys is. Let's explore, because there's kind of this popular narrative that human beings are cancer and they're evil and we need to get rid of human beings and we'll be better off without the human presence. Like the, the nature versus nurture debates to, to really delve into that. Like, who are we? Um, are we really evil, as they say, you know, or is it, is it our culture that's a problem? Like, let, let's explore some of that and you guys... Give me difficult questions, man. Let's let's dig into this. You know what I'm saying? Well, do you, well, do you think all people have the capacity for evil? Do all people have the capacity for evil? I don't think that people have a strong sense of identity again. A strong, and it depends how you define evil. You know, that's right. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess that that's a loaded word, but I just mean like the capacity to do things that. Most people. I mean, let's 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 look at the seven deadly sins, right? Because to me, this is the biggest conditioning and programming which we've all been like. We talk about this often, like we've all been programmed to believe that there's undesirable traits, right? But ultimately, all these traits we're all capable of. We're all capable of lust, of guilt, of all the you know of desire. It's right? human nature, brother. It's 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 human fucking nature. And so that, that, many, that kind of shit is meant to keep you at war with yourself. Exactly. It'd be like most people are walking Control. into contradictions, right? Mm-hmm. And but this 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 brings us to the whole concept of the shadow very, very quickly, which to me is the is is the real issue is that people refuse to grapple and deal with with with, with their own shadow. 
And so throughout all of human history, we're constantly scapegoating evil. We're creating a scapegoat out of it, whether it's, you know, the communists or it's aliens or it's the Soviets or it's the Muslims or it's the whatever it might be. They're, what what to me, what the architects of control do, they create the perfect projection screen for people to refuse to look at themselves. Yes. So I would also say that they create conditions though. You see, hmm. think of it like, imagine you have this horrible parasite. And in fact, this is exactly how parasites do work. I mean, many of them anyways, and they can cause you great discomfort. Some of them, because they feed on you. So they'll cause you stress. They'll call you, cause you brain fog. And it's incredibly stressful. And it makes you mentally feel just so subjugated. You can't think clearly. You're, very, you're like overly sensitive and stuff. But you have a parasite. And oftentimes, the people that have this kind of, these kind of conditions, they don't know what's going on. They're just irritable. But they've yeah. got a parasite. Yeah. The ruling class, what they often do is they create, not often, they do it all the time, <laughs> really, historically. They create these horrible conditions where they are such a menace, whether it's through artificial scarcity or constantly dividing us or brainwashing us into accepting their presence and how the system is, that that also serves as the perfect trigger when you decide that you want to aim a particular demographic at the rest of the population, because now they're so angry and they're so frustrated and they're so sensitive, all of which, the way the brain works, it regresses into a more reptilian primordial state of being, makes you more likely to be unthinking, makes you more likely to unconsciously act out your frustrations. And that's the enemy? Okay, that's who we're going to go for. Something that I like to refer to specifically as it relates to like our, our sense of identity. Who are we? And the topic we're entering now, which uh, a guy by the name of Professor Paul Bloom of Yale University, he calls it a righteous anger, which is something we all have. We have this capacity where, yes, like you can watch a film, right, with this your, your sweet little 12-year-old cousin, this little petite girl, and she's such a little sweetheart and stuff, and wears pig pigtails and everything. But if there's a bad guy, she, she'll get aggressive. She wants the bad guy to die because that's part of our human nature. That's righteous anger. So what, for example, just to get into the study, just to give a little bit of detail, a little bit of background, and then how that applies. This guy, Professor Paul Bloom of Yale University, he conducted these studies, often colloquially referred to or recognized as the moral life of babies. And these were award-winning studies, and they're so significant. They should really be taught in schools across the world. And it was for like two years that he did these experiments. And he conducted these studies on babies as young as three months old, which is very significant because you oftentimes hear about studies on human nature, like the Stanford prison experiment or the Milgram experiment. But these are on adults. That's yeah. not an authentic representation because they've already been conditioned by society culturally. So now you've got a three-month-old baby, you've got actual toddlers. And what he found is that we naturally have a sense of justice, of right and wrong. We share. We are compassionate. So these are all very favorable, good things. But he also found that we have something called righteous anger. So what he would do in his experiments is he would have like puppets, you know, the one puppet, another one. And he would create a scenario where one of the puppets were being bullies. And then what these children would do, he would present them with the puppets afterwards and which one do they want to play with. 
they would almost never uh, pick the bully one. Okay, in fact, I don't think they ever did pick the bully one. But what's more important is they would take it a step further. These are kids. These are babies, right? Yeah. They would take it a step further and they would hit the puppet. They would try to discipline the puppet. These are babies doing this stuff. So immediately what we have, we have something that's a part of our nature where it's natural to want to discipline, attack, or even eradicate what we perceive to be evil. Yeah. So that's that's part of our nature. and accepting our nature as you were talking about it's something that's instrumental because you can't be at war with yourself war with yourself we are a warrior like species there's something built in us it's inborn it's there it's not going to go away and if you repress it it's going to be expressed in some ugly yeah. unhealthy way we have this way of being all of us where we want to eradicate what we perceive to be as evil and if we don't understand that and immediately realize the significance of what it means to have free debate, free-flowing information, and make truth, actual verifiable truth, central to our culture. If we don't do that like sooner rather than later, that's just going to be weaponized against us, which is precisely what the ruling class have done. They take our righteous anger, and then they say, oh, the unvaccinated they are evil. They are selfish. They are the real problem in society. So we have to get rid of them. And then we saw what happened. People acted batshit crazy. You do the same thing. You go back to the so-called um, terrorist attacks in 9-11, and then you portray all Muslims as being this evil demographic. Well, what happened? People started to act batshit crazy. All Muslim people are terrorists. If you go back prior to that, and there's just constant examples over and over and over in World War one, they did the same thing with German people and they would get lynched. If you look even what took place during segregation and so on and so forth, the propaganda that was weaponized against black people, African-Americans, was very similar. So if you can portray people as being this great evil, then yes, people are very likely to in fact do evil. There's that old saying that those who can get you to believe in absurdities can get you to commit atrocities. And this, again, is why it's so significant that we have underpinning our culture, our culture, no matter like what religion you align yourself with, what politics, what skin color, anything. Central to all of that, there has to be free-flowing information and there has to be an absolute uncompromising admiration and pursuit for objective, verifiable truth. Yeah, how does that? How does that what? happen? How how would like how how do we st in the vision? How do how does the culture start grinding into gears and moving towards embodying truth as a central yeah. pillar? I think that's actually happening already. To be honest with you, so yeah, part of our blueprints, as I see it, is that we we genuinely want to be aligned with the truth. You ask anybody. Like, oh, are you for the truth or are you for deception? I don't know anybody who's going to say <laughs> that they're for deception, right? Yet if we were to really dig into it, most people are serving deception, but they're doing so unconsciously. Mm -hmm. They're doing so from a place of ignorance. And they haven't even become mindfully aware of the methodology that is weaponized against them. And also they aren't mindfully aware, again, of a sense of self. So we're talking about all these different characteristics that we have, mm. how we can have this like shadow self how we have righteous anger. We need to understand those things because if you are totally unconscious of them, 
they could just be weaponized against you. And then you become a pawn on a, on a chessboard in a game that you weren't even aware of. So I think naturally that is happening right now, much to uh, the dislike of the ruling class in the traditional power structure, because as the flow of information is interjected into the equation, you know, with the internet, I think it's so easy for us to overlook the significance of the past 10, 20 years that we've lived through, how it's like transformed the landscape of everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's so crazy. And in spite of all the propaganda that they've used and the divide and conquer tactics and the sophisticated behavioral modification, things that they do, because people have a natural proclivity for the truth, as we slowly begin to find out the methodologies and we start to learn how to seek the truth and we start to align ourselves more with the truth, which is, it's a never ending task. You're always striving to align yourself with the truth because that's bigger than any one of us can fully comprehend or establish at this point in time. But as you do that, it naturally gets amplified because again, that's who we are. We have an affinity for the truth. Whereas deception, once we are mindfully aware of it, we naturally want to eradicate it because we associate that with being evil. Yeah. I think more people too, like you said, they're just not these traditional uh, authority structures and they're not aligning with them anymore. The people have more distrust of the media. They have more distrust of government. So they're seeking things elsewhere. And so I think that's what's uh, feeding uh, people's desire to explore new ways of thinking, you know, and people, a lot of people are open to podcasts like this or other podcasts like uh, where in the past yeah. they wouldn't. That's, that's, that's something that I've echoed often. And it's something like I tend to want to believe and, and agree with, but like, then there's sometimes a question. I'm like, are we just in like an echo chamber? You know, uh, like for sure, we, brother. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, because definitely. for example, just with this podcast, like, you know, we'll post a reel on Twitter, you know, and like everyone will, will agree with it. You know, everyone fully agrees. You know, whether it's controversial about you know, you know, women's biology being a fact, then like you post the same reel on Twitter, and you'll get some people who think you're a complete freaking Nazi. You know, there's you no Facebook. As, Facebook, you mean? Oh, sorry, no, on TikTok, on TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Okay, on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, and like there's just. It's just, so it's like, I think we sometimes just create our own echo chambers, you know, through the digital landscape as well, you know, and like I question, sometimes I do question whether we are really moving in that direction because right. we have, like the kids that are still being raised and still growing up, to what degree are they still being weaponized, you know, even oh, more yeah, intensely sure, by the state than we yes. were, for example. So, so that's, you know? yeah, so that's, that's always the target. Kids are always the target, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we need to be mindful of that. So one of the really good things, like what you're doing now, Joe, is you're questioning the authority that's the most important to question, which is yourself. It's your own perception. Yeah. What am I doing? How can I refine it? How can I make it better? And this is why I always say like the truth, it's not enough to know the truth. You have to learn how to market the truth because what they do with deception is they come with incredibly skillful ways to weaponize it. And I think again, the so-called pandemic, the lockdowns was... An exceptional example of that, where they used celebrities, they used Marvel superhero characters, and they came up with all these very creative ways in which they could peddle their deception, and it was very successful. We have to do the same thing, but with verifiable truth. And the beauty is that once people taste verifiable truth, and you know that that's it, it illuminates your mind in a way that is irreversible. And oftentimes, I like to also say some of the most beholden people historically to the system. So agents, like actual agents of the matrix, right? Or the system, when they've become aware that, wow, my whole perception of reality was inverted and I was in fact serving the bad guys. 
then they more often than not become some of the most vehement, formidable opponents of the system. And although there are always going to be people that are going to attack you, they're going to degrade you, they're going to make you feel like your efforts are absolutely shite, you always are going to get those small groups here and there, the small pockets of people that it did manage to create positive change for them. Mm-hmm. And whilst it is, again, easy to get discouraged, especially if, let's say, at one point, like for myself, man, you know, there was a time when I had over a million followers and I was getting this crazy reach, I was reaching hundreds of millions of people. And then you come down from that, it's like, oh, man, that's such a downer. But what we forget is that we're living in an unprecedented time historically. And what I mean by that is our ancestors back in the day, uh, whether you believe in the story of Jesus or not, I mean, I'm not yet to debate that because there's so much room to debate there. And I think there's so much uncertainty. But the, the tenets of the story still remains accurate, which you would actually have people going abroad to different countries trying to convert what essentially amounted to a handful of people to see the world differently. We forget that because we have this tool now where we can reach millions of people. But in those millions and millions of people, even if you get thousands that are trying to put you down, trying to degrade your efforts, if you get a handful that you are helping to awaken, and then they go on to help awaken their children, and their children do the same thing, that, my friend, is the good work right there. And look, I know, I get discouraged too, brother. It's very discouraging. Yeah, I mean, don't ever forget. Yeah. But don't ever forget, this is is psychological warfare. And they are... I'm not necessarily crazy discouraged. This. Yeah, I'm not necessarily discouraged by any means because I see the impact of you know even just these conversations yeah. and what we do. You know, it's like, like you know, it's yeah. just part of me is like it just it, it is it is what it is. You know, yeah. whether it's a soul evolution level or whether you know the weakest just always gathering crowds. Like as we know, like there's just there's just always going to be this thing where people you know right. are, more, are more inclined to not want to perceive the truth and not want to live their life with a with a sense of self and walk their own path and use effort and use will and use their mind there's all i just right. part of me is like there's just always going to be this huge collective of people that would rather just be comfortable and be convenient yeah. and have someone else direct them you know and it's very and it's very possible brother and yeah. absolutely you know i'm going to tell you a story about when i was a kid in high school um I was always getting in fights, man, with the, with the kids from the from the hood, you know. They <laughs> they were these they thought they were these tough kids, and I came from South Africa, and I also thought I was a tough kid. And anyways, I was always getting in fights with them, right? Yeah. And they would whip me because there'd be like ten of them, and then there's just me. And I'll never forget this one kid said to me, "He's like Gavin, why do you fight these kids? Why are you getting into fights with these dudes? Like you know they're not going to fight you fairly." And I was equally dumbstruck by this dude. And I was like, brother, this isn't about me winning the fight. Of course, I'm not going to win the fight. But I'm standing up for what I believe in. Mm. That's what it's about, right? It's, it's about even if you get your ass kicked, at least you go down swinging and you uphold the principles of humanity, integrity, and truth, which I know I'm preaching to the choir, yeah? yeah. But even if this never changes... Fuck you. You know what I mean? Exactly that's what right. it's about. That's you got to do you, it's man. It's about to be a human being. It's like, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, and an individual, man, on your own journey. You got to do what you have to do. You got to live your life regardless, you know? And and I think that's what's super important is because the, this inner truth and seeking that is so important for an individual to, to learn and to grow and to know themselves. I mean, you can go out there and go down all the rabbit holes on the internet and be like, what happened in 9-11? What happened this? But if you're not turning that gaze inwards 
to figure out who you are, to get that, that sense of self, to heal yourself, to be grounded, to get into healthy relationships. Just because you know what happened on 9-11, if you have a shitty marriage or you, you know, you, you're a shitty person, what, what does it fucking matter? You know, at absolutely. The end of the day? Very well said, yeah. brother. Very and well said, man. That's the thing. Like when I first started like really speaking out, like, you know, I've, for me, I've been in this journey since 2015, but it was really 2020 where I started like, you know, becoming a voice, you know, in the social landscape about my thoughts and beliefs. So a strong voice, my brother. You know, so, so gung-ho, had like the strongest chip on my shoulder, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like now as time has gone on, kind of like, that's not as present anymore because I'm just seeing mm. people who have now claimed yeah. that as an identity, just always having to have this big enemy, you know, and it's that ultimately it's that enemy, which now they've created an identity based off, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, mm-hmm. it's like, what am I, what am I beyond the constantly having that external enemy, you know? And yes, I realized yeah. that a lot of that, you know, is coming from a place of internal dysregulation, internal nervous system dysregulation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's like there's ways and means to speak and to communicate and to be, you know, without it always having to like, even in my own unconscious ways, you know, I'd, I'd rally on, you know, people's internal mechanisms to like want to have to fight against something, whether it's, you know, the vaccinated or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so just in this, in this oh, yeah, interesting place at the moment, you know, like I think as more regulation comes, as more healing comes, even like as, as scarcity dissipates, you know, because we, uh, you need safety and security on a monetary level as well. Mm-hmm. You know, things, things kind of shift in the way you address it, even when it comes to you know, being here for the truth. Absolutely, man. So one of the ways I like to also frame it and look at it is, and let me first start with a, a study. So, okay, how am I going to frame this? What I would say is we are creative beings. So yes. we have something that is uniquely creative. We have a message inside of us, an energy, and then we look for our own certain specific artistry to go ahead and communicate that. And of course, artistry is not relegated to paintings and stuff. There's all forms of artistry. You can make a documentary. You can make a reel. You can do these podcasts. It's just something deeper where you can express, this is what I'm feeling inside. And in that way, we are creative beings. But I think a lot of frustration comes when we find ourselves in a position of reactivity. And it's almost impossible not to be reactive in this world because especially if you're dealing with something like, let's say you're confronting deception. Deception just never shuts its mouth. That shit is busy 24-7. And if you play Mm. that game, you're just going to be reacting, reacting. And immediately, without even recognizing it, like we can unconsciously regress into a place where now we are the the little mouse in the maze and we are reacting in such a way that it makes us amenable to behavioral modification. But above and beyond all else, there's like a unique thing inside of us. I often ask myself, like if there wasn't this horrible system in place, what would I be doing? Yeah. And and, yeah. And, And for me, the way I look at it is this planet is so beautiful. It's like such a, um, a magical, lovely, incredible place that there, there is so much to do to feed our curiosity. And having a, you know, being a new father with my, my two-year-old boy, and I mean, I know you ahead of me on that regard with your little ones, and you can definitely attest to this. What it allows you to do as well is you can see human nature in a more authentic light. So naturally, we are incredibly curious. We want to learn. And he knows nothing about the system. He knows nothing about like these kind of narratives and so on, but that's there in him. And when I see it in him, it also reminds me, well, that's also in me. 
Mm. I am curious and I want to learn and I want to go on adventures. And so I tell myself, if the system wasn't in place, what would I do? Well, this planet's absent the system, unfortunately, but again, absent the system, it's actually analogous to a proverbial heaven. It's a beautiful place. It's got magical nature, trees. In fact, our biology is conducive to the different foods that grow here. Uh, it gives us oxygen. It's like a huge playground. Whatever created this, it made it like a playground for us. Yeah, are you curious? Go explore. He has this amazing ocean. Look at these amazing animals. You can discover new species every single day. So if we couldn't do what we're doing now, because unfortunately we have this big bully that's kind of trying to impose on everybody, I have no doubt that we would be out there doing like Steve Irwin or whatever, where you're discovering things and, and you're just being a human being. And with that said, I just want to actually share with you one other thing that I wrote down here. It's very important. It's such a fascinating uh, study that, again, it doesn't get enough play. But about five years ago, people started to talk about it a bit more. And it's a, a study in divergent thinking. So now divergent thinking is where you like diverged, of course, right? You, get, you guys may uh, recall the film Divergent. I don't know if you remember that. It, it, it's, it's based the on film? a book series. Yes, the film. Do you um, yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, well, look, it's good. You guys will enjoy it. If you like me, I like movies that have a message. It's a, it's yeah, a beautiful me too, man. Me too. Oh, I love it, man. It's it's such a powerful way to reach people. That's the ultimate goal. Hopefully, by the time I'm an old man, I'm capable of doing those kind of things. <laughs> but essentially, the main character, she cannot be put into a box. So you get all these different groups in their society in this form. It's based on books. And you get the one group and they are selfless and they take care of the sick. And you get another group, they're the warriors. And you get another group and they do the thinking. But you get this very small demographic, which are considered a threat to the entire system called divergence because they are a little bit of everything. They can think beyond these boxes, these narratives. So anyways, there was a study in divergent thinking. And that's basically just radically different thinking where NASA approached this guy, Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman, and they wanted to come up with a study that could help them pinpoint who their very best, uh, very best rocket scientists and engineers were, especially like in stressful settings. So there was no study or test that existed like this, but they came up with something eventually after you know going down paperwork, checking everything out, and they brought it back to NASA, and NASA was very happy with the results because it did indeed allow them to pinpoint who the best rocket scientists and engineers were. Now, fascinated, interested, and intrigued by this, uh, George Land and uh, Beth Jarman, they recognized that they could actually apply this simple test to any age group. So they went ahead and they applied it to four to five-year-olds. So small kids haven't been in school yet. And much to their surprise, and there was, I think, 1,500, it was either 2,500 or 1,500 of these kids, they found that of these 1,500 kids, 98% of them scored at genius level. Okay, genius level, 98%. So they are now fascinated. This is very interesting. They decided to turn it into a longitudinal study, which is where you take the same group of kids and then you test them again in a few years in the future. Mm -hmm. Five years into the future, by now the kids had started school, elementary school, they dropped it down to, I think, let me see, I wrote it down here, 30%. So from 98% genius level all the way to 30%. So now they are like really shocked. What the hell is going on here? 
studied them again in five more years. Now they're in high school. They had dropped all the way down to 12%. So they methodically dropped from 98% all the way down to 12%. Now they were very discouraged because apparently, like the guy said, he did a TED talk on this. They were all teachers. So when they saw this, they didn't want to go near it anywhere because they started to kind of read what was taking place. But since that time, he did mention that they conducted the study on more than a million adults with a median age of 30 years old. And in this more than 1 million adults, 2% scored a genius level. So divergent thinking, just to quickly elaborate on it, it's basically about creative thinking. And what do children have naturally? What do we all have? What is inborn? Our imaginations. And what is the source of creativity? What is the source of the future, right? The the car, the plane, 3D printing, all these new discoveries, they come from the imagination. They don't come from our existing knowledge, but that's inborn in kids. So if we can find a way, I think, to remind ourselves, and that's the beautiful thing, he noted this as well, is our imagination, it can never be entirely eradicated because every time we go to sleep, it gets activated, which is so crazy. Like if we were designed by something intelligent, he, she, or it, the fact that when we go to sleep, it recharges this incredible mechanism of imagination is just, it's phenomenal. It's, it's just, wow. So we need to remind ourselves like, yes, beyond all of this, because as you said, we get into this kind of reactive state where now you start to, without even being consciously aware, this is my identity. I'm fighting the system. I'm doing this. We need to try to look at the young ones who will give us the light of what human nature is all, all about and then try to honor that and say, okay, well, I have my own imagination. I have my own creativity. I have my own curiosity. How can I honor these things within myself, which will also satisfy other things that are innate, the shadow self, which is the element of that that needs to be satiated in a healthy way. Otherwise, it'll be weaponized against us in an unhealthy way. And as we do that, I think it starts to help us also align a bit more with our deeper sense of purpose, which comes from the inside rather than the outside. Totally, man. Well said, man. Yeah. I think, you know, the issue is, man, like the majority of people, like they're just fucking running on empty, you know, the cups. Oh, uh, you are. You're absolutely right there, brother. Fuck yeah. That's yeah, it all day, man. So yeah, it's really, it's really hard so many, for a lot of people, man. Yeah. So, it's so burdened. Uh, so based on the yeah, system I'm, too, you know? On the system, you know, they're working these shitty jobs. You know, they can... They it's can... overwhelming, brother. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And it's meant to be... Over... The thing is, these fuckers, you know, the thing like about the ruling class in the system, they know our nature better than we do. Yeah. So they know what levers to pull and to push and they, and they know how to overwhelm us. Even this whole like pandemic and the lockdowns and the incessant gender fluidity and then this fucking nuclear war and this is going to happen. It's meant to just fucking exhaust us. Yeah. Because... That the mind and, conf- and confuse us and confuse us and know. and confuse us. I'm actually about to uh, release a little video that I made on this, where it's all analogous to torture tactics that they have utilized throughout history. It's stuff that they weaponized at Guantanamo Bay. That's all the stuff they did during the pandemic, uh, during the lockdowns. It was that kind of shit. Yeah, and that's what they're doing now too. It, it's yeah. psychologically exhausting. But then, then like on a deeper level, I think like the only reason like such a corrupt system has been able to proliferate is because of what has been ignored within the collective consciousness, right? So now, so now the external manifests in order so ultimately human beings can grow and you know build the courage and build the will and push through, you know, and so things right, can right. overcome. Like it's like so I see what you say, you know. 
Yeah, no, so I see what you're saying. And uh, this is also, it's, it's, it kind of gets down to the notion of sometimes we encounter struggles because in the long haul, it invariably promotes growth. And there's exactly. certainly truth to that, right? There's certainly truth to that. Yeah. But I'm also reminded of the expression that it's easier to build up strong children than to repair broken men. Mm-hmm. And what the system does is it breaks people. It it really breaks people. And I've found, for example, where there'll be certain individuals where they get like a proper good education. And the question becomes, can you instill this these kind of lessons through a proper education and stoic lessons and so on and so forth? Can like a really good character be developed even from a place of abundance? Do we need the scarcity to push us towards this? And I genuinely think that we don't need the scarcity to push us towards it. I think we're just in an unfortunate position where we have to confront this. You know, a bully historically, they're not going to stop. They're getting emboldened when you give them a pass. You have to confront them. You're not going to do like Buddha either. You can't go fucking meditate under the tree and, oh, it's okay. Just think happy thoughts. The bully's not going to do anything. The bully will slap the shit out of you while you're singing Kumbaya. So this is something that we have to confront. But do I think that it's necessary? Based on the studies that I've looked into, based on human nature, when we are living our lives from a place of contentment, not full contentment, but happiness, um, and a healthy understanding that that human beings are always in pursuit of innovation, of doing extraordinary things. I think once we are given the introductory fundamentals so food, water, shelter, mm. and then a more loving environment in terms of a stronger family structure and our values are placed on things are more aligned with our principles rather than the perfidy of politics. I think that we can not only accomplish that, I think we can like do a quantum leap so far beyond anything that we currently have in this world. I think we like are supposed to be fucking exploring different realities and dimensions and planets. But unfortunately, right now, we just have a parasite problem that is holding us back. And I know it's very, very difficult as well, but I think we kind of, the way we view cavemen, like that perception they've given us, I think that's us right now. I think we're still in the caves. And largely what we are doing today is meant to give the people of the future the freedom that we think that we have and to give them a much more healthy, conscious, and mindful society to where they can hopefully look back on us and say, oh, this that's so hard to believe. Did they really live like that? Was it so backwards? Did they adhere to this tribalism? And that's one of the optimistic hopes that I at least have. Yeah, man. But this is where, again, knowledge and awareness is so important because you have to disengage from this system. And it starts at birth. Like you talk about children. I mean, children are being born into a medicalized system. And we've had episodes on this so often. Like, I mean, you have young boys, at least in the U.S. and other countries that are being circumcised, not to mention the vaccination, not to mention that just the trauma of giving birth in a hospital and and uh, medical professionals that don't understand uh, nature in a certain way. And so like like you have to like if you're a parent, you have to disengage from the system to start this process of of raising a healthy child that's gonna impact the future. For sure. And right. but like even right. even then, even like without the system, doesn't doesn't mean there's no some more struggles. No, it I doesn't know for but, sure. But, right? but no. I'm just saying like you want to 
a good foundation. Like, for like, sure. that, for like sure. that quote that you were talking about, like it's easier to, to raise healthy children than repair broken men. And it's like that brokenness starts early on. Oh, yeah, very often. Sure, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, with, with the cultural yeah. narratives, like let's say we are talking about Christianity. It's so fucking guilt based that you, oh, you like you were, you were born sinner. Like Bruh. what? I'm, I'm fucked from the start. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and with now, un, un, unearned guilt, unearned exactly. guilt, which you can never, you can never resolve, you can never which atone you, for, you know. And, and immediately, when you're starting from that place, and this is what I mean by a strong sense of identity, because if yeah. that becomes your sense of identity, you fucked. You've got you. They have poisoned you inside, and that poison is now living in your body because it's living in your mind. But bro, mm-hmm. then I think back to myself. I was raised a Jehovah's fucking witness, the most dogmatic, fundamental of it all, you know. But it was that inherent struggle of like, am I a born sinner? Am I I meant to spend my life in atonement? You know, is this a fallen realm? Ultimately, it was those inner psychological conflicts which gave rise to the phoenix within me to be like, to find my strength and to find my power and be like, you know, fuck these chains. For sure. But But you see, I think genuinely, I think you the exception, not the rule. Because Yeah, I agree. I agree too. If that was the case, we'd see this a lot more, right? So, true. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%, 100%. Yeah, because that yeah. argument is what? Let's raise yeah. everyone Jehovah's Witness and no. get, them, get them born in hospitals and just so yes. they can have something to overcome. And you're like, no, fuck that shit. Like, no, let's but, have them raised ideally and see in what in else in magic can happen. For sure. But on an inherent level, like from a psychological spe- perspective, you know, even Jung said it, like, man needs struggle. It is necessary for health, you know? Yes, but, but, it, but- it always needs to be the friction. But they're going to have the struggle because they're human. Exactly. Right. But exactly. Yeah. There you go. So you're going to have that struggle. Yeah. And then at the same time, we are problem solvers. Like human beings are genuinely problem solvers. If you give them the the right knowledge, the right insights, we want to solve problems. And that I think is more so part of our inborn programming. Like we do actually have some kind of programming that's natural. And so we will be put in that struggle of how can I solve this problem? Like imagine everybody's creative resources today, if we had uh, our basic fundamentals met, if they now instead got focused on how do we genuinely solve the problems of humanity? Yep. And then people be like, oh, but there's not enough jobs. Okay, well, you see a guy that he's writing parking tickets, that's considered a job just because they value that. We There's plenty of jobs. This is why Hitler couldn't fucking, he, was, he went ahead and employed like almost all the German people. There's always jobs because there's always work. And if we can just get people focused on the principles of humanity rather than on upholding the lifestyles of this elitist element, which are just fucking psychotic, then, uh, yeah. But, but, you know, but, but then at some level, we're, we're brought back to collectivism. Who, who decides what's right for humanity, you know? And so at the well, end of the day, the only true path forward is to uphold individual freedom beyond absolutely Oh, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, oh, yeah, beyond anything else. Agree. You go figure yeah. it out. You decide your values. You decide your principles. Just don't infringe anyone agree. else's. Yeah. yeah. Look, I wholeheartedly agree. One thing I think that should be a fundamental. So for me, you guys may notice, I never, ever argue in favor of a particular political system or ideology because it's all semantics and it's bullshit. So what means like, let's say, socialism to one person means something totally different to another person. What means capitalism to one person means something totally different to another person. Exactly. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but what I do believe in above and beyond all else is just giving people access to the highest form of awareness, knowledge, and truth that's available. Give them access to it. Allow them to verify these things. Put the best minds 
up against each other to debate. Give everybody access to this. And I mm. truly believe from that, the problems will be resolved on their own because the blueprint of humanity, which genuinely is one that uh, is inclined towards, I mean, we even the word itself, humanity, it's inclined towards compassion. It's inclined towards kindness. It's inclined towards empowerment and upliftment and simply doing the right thing, doing it to others as you would have them do unto you. So I really believe, like you were saying, man, yeah. individual freedom and at the heart of that individual freedom really has to be um, giving people access to knowledge. And, and just one other thing, I'm a firm believer that people should be afforded the education to where they can defend themselves physically, psychologically, and spiritually. Now, I know there's a, you know, there's a lot to be said about the spiritual part, but at least in terms of something everybody can understand, physically and mentally, we should all be given the weaponry we need, uh, the information we need, the know-how that we need to where we can defend ourselves. Because I assure you, once we have that, and it's a level playing field, because historically what governments have had a monopoly on violence, they've had a monopoly on esoteric knowledge that they can weaponize against the common people. Stripped of that, we're in an even playing field and then principles will begin to rise above the hood. Yeah. I just can imagine what it would be like in 2020 if the media provided it's everyone being censored and everyone pushing the narrative. And I... I pretty much guarantee a majority of people would be like, well, these people sound crazy debating these people. I, I personally think so. I think get triggered by being faced with certain truths that um, your your average person would be way more open to the types of things that these people are saying. So, But again, that's where the control of information and centers that comes into play to to keep people from seeing some of the stuff and yeah. being exposed to it. But then like, even, yeah. even, but, even I'm, now, but I'm optimistic, man. Yeah. But like then yeah. even now, like you have, you know, so much, you know, so many confessions that have come out, you know, like the vaccine never really worked. Masking was never a thing. Like even from, you know, the top echelon of who they lifted up as their highest scientific minds are now backtracking. Do people give a fuck? Yeah. Do they do like, is anyone a, a lot of them out? Don't. No, is, any, is anyone insane, riding yeah. in the streets out there? You know? Yeah. No, it is. It's insane to see. But yeah. with each one of those events, it also illuminates like how this proverbial matrix historically has been just one massive deception. And yeah. above and beyond all else, the duty of being a good paternal figure. And the reason why I say paternal figure is because not everybody's going to have kids. I mean, I myself was petrified of having children. It was my biggest fear. But if we can be a good paternal figure in the sense that we realize we have a duty to the future generations to come, that's going to make all the difference right now because that's where the ruling class, the system and the establishment are two steps ahead is they recognize and have historically that they need to get the minds of the youth. If we can inculcate and help guide uh, them in the right direction, which is already conducive to their natural blueprints, their human nature, again, it is more incentivized uh, even biologically towards doing good rather than bad, to being compassionate rather than its opposite, if we can just guide them at an early age rather than allowing them. And I mean, we see this trend going on where people are like, there's no way in fuck I'm giving my child to the school system, the traditional school system, mm -hmm. which I don't think in history there's ever been something on this level and scope going on in so many different ways. Yeah, By doing that and eliminating this historical tradition where the ruling class have had your kids for like 20 years virtually, 
And when I say 20 years, I'm not just talking about, you know, conventional schooling. I mean, once they get the minds of the parents and the parent become an un, an unconscious echo chamber, kind of uh, what Joel was saying, that, that term, and then they start to espouse unwittingly these traditions and these ideologies into their own children, their kid has no choice from the beginning. But now at least we are, we are starting to get to a place where we can at least say, hmm, there's a fucking problem there. And although it's painstaking, it's a very slow process. It's certainly not as romanticized as like, you know, Harry Potter or the Lord of the Rings where three hours later, the good guys win. Unfortunately, it's a much, much longer uh, narrative and it's not as glorified. I genuinely believe, man, we are just in the early stages of something beautiful Me and too. positive. Yeah. Me too. Me too, man. I've got, I've got, I've got no doubt that we're on a trajectory towards healing and wholeness and greater knowledge of self and, you know, uh, a greater exaltation of freedom, um, for yeah. sure. And we're, we're in the thick of it. You know, we're pulling, we're still fucking pulling the weeds, bro. That's, but it, oh, is, yeah, it is what time. it is. That's it's the way to the, put it. It's the, it's the stage where we're at, but you yeah. know, from what I see and what I feel, you know, consciousness is always evolving in some, in some mm -hmm. or another, you know? And as long as as long as there remains, you know, a, a decent cohort of individuals who truly, you know, are students of the evolution of consciousness, of truth, of freedom, then the buck has no point, has no choice but to continue to move forward. That's it. Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah, man, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, look, humanity, absent some like, I mean, there are some grim scenarios that could take place, but absent some kind of cataclysmic event, mathematically. It's it's certain that they are fucked. The ruling class are gonna go down eventually. Yeah. Don't know how long it's gonna take. That's the thing. But yeah, but it's headed in that direction, no doubt about it. It's been heading in that direction very slowly for a long time. It's a fucking it's a strange time that we live in, bro. Like oh, it's crazy. There's so, so crazy. there's so much new stuff happening. Like I look at like the AI drive rise of AI. The last three in the last three four months only, you know, there was, we had no access to any of these tools a second ago. Now mm -hmm. every single platform and service I use has an has an AI tool for me as well. You know, just all of a sudden in the public yeah, domain, it's nuts. Like, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. No, it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. And it, something I'm also actually optimistic about speaking with that is traditionally, whenever there's been a, a really new innovative technology. Yeah. The ruling class have found a way to quickly get a hold of it, monopolize it, and keep it for themselves and then weaponize it. Today, with the free flow of information, it's become increasingly difficult to do that. Yep. And with more and more people having access to these technologies, it just continues to chip away at their power. So everything, although they try their best because it's psychological warfare to always frame it like, oh, we all fucked AI. It's coming to destroy us. You know, just everything like, oh... Uh, you know, also with the, the NSA is listening to all your phone calls, which immediately sound like God is watching all your moves and your sins. You know, it's always the same <laughs> shit, just different remixes. Or even now people will be like, oh, you know, I was a reptilian in a past life. That's why I'm suffering now. Same shit as uh, being a born sinner. Uh, it's all these yeah. narratives that they just kind of implant you and then they supplant them. But no matter what, the more people that have access to free flowing information and good innovative technologies, it's gradually going to work in favor of the, the common people, man. I, I'm hopelessly optimistic. I love it, Barry. Although, I oh. am too, man. I'm, I'm an optimist by my nature, for sure, man. And I, and I, I think good things are on the horizon, you know, even though it doesn't look yeah. that way in, a lot, of, in yeah. a lot of ways. 
Yeah. And look, we have to be realistic too. There's, there's obviously dangers and threats and we can't just sing Kumbaya. And yeah, it's all good to go and everything's going to be fine. Um, there are very real dangers, but as somebody who emotionally, I can be like, I live in South Africa right now. It's got the highest unemployment in the world. And when I see like hungry babies mm. on the side of the street and stuff, it kills me, man. I feel it in my body. It hurts. Right. And there's days where I have struggled like with depression full on. And I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I'm like, fuck this world. What is the point of all this shit? I have those days. And I know everybody else just about has those too because we I are do. empathic. Yeah, we empathic. We're compassionate by, by design. And just very quickly for whoever who may want to, or who may be watching this and needs to hear it because I have to constantly remind myself is when we're feeling overwhelmed, that's when it's time to turn away. That's yeah. when it's time to get back to the basics and it's time to just, Go spend some time in nature and tend mm -hmm. to yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. And I, I find myself there too because I'm naturally the people that are the most likely and inclined to fight against the injustices of the system are the ones that are the most empathic and feel it the most because they see all of these horrible things going on. And naturally you absorb all of the trauma and the stress and the psychological warfare far more than anybody else. So just in the midst of all of that, it's important, yes, like I think you actually said earlier, um, you know, Erasmus, that we need to turn away from the darkness. You can't constantly just stare into it because it starts to consume you. You have to be realistic that you aren't invulnerable. Like all of us are vulnerable, man. So to have a bit of balance in that regard and recognize as well, again, part of our human nature that we're going to have ups and downs. Like I, I have days where I'm just like, man, I want to give up on this shit. This is a waste of time. But then I remind myself that's my emotions talking. And from a practical, pragmatic, logical point of view, one voice speaking up and speaking truth and one individual offering their hand in kindness and compassion is far more powerful than the hand that is too scared to reach out, than the voice that is too scared to speak up. So whoever's yeah. listening to this and needs to hear that, whatever you do, even if it seems inconsequential, you have my word that it is not. Yep. And it is from, not to be too corny or too cliche, but every small truth spoken, every small act of compassion, every act of integrity is a seed that you plant. And although they may not always grow into something, unless you plant them, they won't grow into anything. And unless we all plant them on some level in one way or another, there's no way that we can create a garden for the children of the future, as opposed to just the shitty weed environment like, like you were talking about that just ends up entrapping them. And then they look back on us and they say, man, they fucked up. I don't want that. I want to at least, uh, at least do the best I can for them, you know? And of course, have some balance whilst I do that without feeling like this is my sole responsibility. People out there that are very compassionate, don't get caught up in that. It's not your sole responsibility. Do the best you can, but to thine own self, be true. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't pour from an empty cup. That, that's, that's the key. You said lend a helping and kind hand. Like, you got to do it to yourself first, man. You got to take care of yourself. That's it, man. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You know, high compassion and the codependency often go hand in hand. You know, and that's, that's what those people need to, need to look out for as well, for sure. You, Gavin, you know, right you know that me. last monologue is getting clipped into a reel and getting posted on Instagram, bro. That was fire. Oh, fantastic, brother. Always an honor, <laughs> man. Yeah, always an honor. You guys are killing it. Whoever's doing the reels and stuff, this shit looks awesome, man. Yeah, Thanks, man. that's good. We got, we got, yeah, a, we got, a, we got a secret, we got a secret weapon. weapon. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, man. Just me. appreciate you, bro. I mean, I've said it every oh, every fuck, I appreciate Love the you work guys. you, you do, man. Two of, these are two of my favorite human beings. No bullshit. Love Thanks, you guys, man. And, yeah, and I appreciate what you do. I hope to, I hope to meet you in person one day, man. I got... I just want to give you a big hug, man, because I just so ah, much respect, man, for all the work you do and 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 beyond the work, just who you are. You could just tell, man, just sitting here for 90 minutes talking to you, feeling your essence and who you are, man. It's just like, yeah, big hugs, man. Huge, huge, oh, likewise, brother. huge resonance likewise. from day one, man, even before we ever spoke in person the first time. I, I know I keep telling you, but, you know, you're one of the original OGs, bro, that I ever followed, that ever posted anything that made me question anything, you know. Uh, that's such an honor, man. You're you're, and, you're, you're and, yeah. And, and you see, when, when I hear that, like right now when we're swapping thoughts and stuff, we have the same kind of feelings. You have these times when you're like, fuck, man, what I'm doing, it's, it's you know, what's, what's the point? But then I hear somebody like you and you're asking those things and it's just like, it gives me chills. Like I have chills right now because that's what it's about. And now like I was able to contribute to these two warriors. It's like, wow, you know, fuck, what an honor, man. No, really, it's like, fuck, Wow. And that just, uh, it's so humbling, man. It's its such a beautiful thing. So, Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't want to sure. get, get all emotional and shit. No, <laughs> no, it's all good, man. And I, th- I think it's important to hear that. And I think it's for it's important for people to share that with people that have impacted them. Because we can just get so caught up in like the day-to-day. Oh, we're creating a podcast. We're having these conversations. We're doing work. We have a coaching program, whatever. And then like someone emails you and goes, hey, someone sent me your podcast. And I've listened to every single episode in the last two months. And it's changed my life. And you're like, Oh yeah, okay. This is this is also why we're doing this thing, not just yes. so we can do a thing. And it's there's a reason yes. for it, and okay. then it gets mirrored so, back to you. And then you're like, "Fuck yeah, man!" There's a purpose to this, like beyond just like, uh, what, like this thing isn't working. My internet's not working. Why isn't this graphic the way yeah. it looks? <laughs> no joke, brother. No joke. If people don't see the behind the scenes, man, that shit can be woo, frustrating. Oh, uh, dude. So yeah, everybody out there, if you have something kind, say it, man. You know, that nothing bad can happen from that. Because when you share something kind, it's uplifting to somebody else. And if for whatever strange, inexplicable, highly, highly unlikely reason, somebody doesn't uh, receive your kindness well, there's fucking something wrong with them. So don't let that deter you. Kindness grows the plants, man. You know what I mean? Uh, the human plants. It goes a long way. So if you want to drop yeah. a line, I always tell people when they take a moment out, even if you got two followers, I don't give a shit. If you take a moment to message me and you say, oh, you know, thank you. I'm blown away. Yeah, It means the world because there's so many people also fucking trying to put you down. <laughs> so it means the world. And uh, yeah, more, more kindness all day. All Guys, day. Truth, truth Warrior Gavin on Instagram. Go send him some kudos. This man, this man deserves it. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Yeah. Gavin, brother. What do you got going on? I know you're always diving deep into new research, new articles, new videos. You're always on the front of, what, of what's coming up next. So what are, what are you working on? How can people connect with you? How can they support you? All right. So I'm working specifically now on human identity. I'm going to actually do a course. I think I spoke to you guys about it before, but now I'm, I'm going full speed ahead on it. Yes. It's it's so significant. To me, this is it. This is what it comes down to. Because once you can give people a proper sense of identity, oh, there goes the power. Once you can give people a, a proper sense of identity, then to me, they they cannot be manipulated, at least not so easily. Um, and it, it goes really deep. And it's such a fascinating thing because when you have a strong sense of identity, it immediately equates to a strong sense of purpose. They are mutually inclusive. They relate to one another. 
strong sense of self means strong self-confidence and strong self-confidence also invariably promotes a strong sense of purpose. So that's what I'm working on now. Um, I'm looking at launching that first course towards the end of next month. I may precede it. I may precede it by one that gives the final explanation and detailing of how the establishment works. Just because this actually relates to having a strong sense of identity, since the system's power rests on controlling your sense of identity, on controlling what culture you relate to, on controlling the religion that you believe in. And I'm not trying to take any of those things away from people. I want to make that known. However, you have to have a deeper preceding belief to all of that. And that needs to be your principles. Okay. And this is oftentimes why people follow these different religions and, and politics is they actually are gravitating towards what they view as the principles, but those principles stand alone. And then you can have whatever ideology is your chosen ideology to, to water that. That can be the soil, but it's not your roots. And so that's the next step with all of that. In terms of where people can follow me or find me, I tend to have the best traction on Instagram, ironically, but um, on the traditional media outlets, you can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook. You can also, you can support my work for as little as $1 on Patreon. And I also put out like early content, content that I'm working on, uh, sometimes even months before I put it out on other outlets. And I like to gauge people's feedback. It's a bit more personable. But otherwise, yeah, I'm going to be always hanging around. I am nowhere near as active as I was in the past, uh, just because got to put food on the table, got a family yeah. to take care of. But as we decode this matrix, as we get it figured out, which we cannot do alone, we have to do it as a, as a team. And part of that team, as the expression goes, it takes true, uh, excuse me, it takes two to speak the truth, one to speak and one to listen. Mm-hmm. So we, we need each other. You know, for the supporters that are listening now, you have no idea how important your role is. It's not sung as much. But your support is analogous and conducive to like the local organic farmer. If you want good, healthy food, you got to support the local organic farmer. And hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later, people will recognize if you want good information, if you want people that genuinely care about your well-being, if you want people to elucidate the darkness and instead guide you towards the light. And with that light comes self-confidence, it comes purpose, it becomes how can you protect your family and have a, a better sense of well-being overall that you'll start to support people that you know to be aligned with your principles, not just your perceptions, but more so your principles. So I appreciate you guys having me on you and, uh, and look forward to the next one. Same here, man. We appreciate you too, man. Lots of love for you. Lots of love for everyone listening too. Um, we'll see you next time. Take care. What's up, guys? Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Gavin. Just in closing, I want to remind our listeners that doors are now officially open to round six of our eight-week group coaching program, Rise Above the Herd. This is specifically for truth seekers who are looking for a radical transformation in their lives, um, you know, so they can really walk the path of their highest potential and live a life of true freedom, purpose, um, and become who they were born to be. At the end of the day, that's our ethos. That's what we're about. Again, like the last round, this program it does now include Dr. Sophie Fletcher, who's offering an additional and very significant nervous system component to what we're already offering. So to learn more, head to riseaboveTheHerd.co um, and check out what it's about, and you can apply there. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. 
Waking up in a time they think you're in a delusion Somebody set the alarms cause they be too busy snoozing I'm in a DeLorean Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion